So um, just before Pastor G reads the gospel reading, the first reading was part of this reading. Um, we were supposed to have that reading from Acts. But uh, as Pastor G uh, texted me, it's worth hearing twice because it's so good. So uh, this is the gospel for the day. Pastor G. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. This is in the 14th chapter. And today we're beginning at the 15th verse. In final words to his disciple on the night of his arrest, Jesus encourages obedience and speaks of the Spirit. Jesus said to the disciples, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. This is the gospel, the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm excited to, um, to share a bit more of this reading from the book of John in the 14th chapter that we began um, last week and that we come back to. Um, I'm excited about it because it relates to my life in a particular way. 32 years ago, about this time of year, I received my first call um, in the newly minted ELCA. It had only been founded a few months before in January of that same year. Um, and I received a call to Word and Sacrament. A lot was going to change. I knew that that for sure. Um, first off, I was going to be moving seven hours away from the safety net of my family and friends. That's a lot. But also, I knew that I was going to have to plan an ordination service. Lindsay, get ready. It's not as easy as it sounds. I had to find a preacher. I had to decide on music and scripture texts. And there are so many scripture texts that speak to the sacraments and the word and to ministry. I came up with three texts and a psalm, and I have to confess to you, I do not remember what the Old Testament text and the psalm were, but I remember the other two. I remember them very well because they have lived with me for this whole time of ministry. The first was um, 2 Corinthians 4, we hold this treasure in earthen vessels. I was feeling really earthen at that point really earthen, like I would crack at a moment. And I couldn't imagine why the church, new as it was, was entrusting me with this treasure of word and sacrament and ministry. But there it was. And the second text 
was this place in John's gospel that we just read. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will send you the spirit, the advocate to be with you. I added a little bit to it. I added um, from a section a little further beyond in the 15th chapter where it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. I had no idea at that point in my life and in my ministry how meaningful those texts would be for such a long time. I also didn't realize at the time how little I knew about them and about the God who would lead me through this ministry and would continue with me as the advocate for all this time. At, um, at my ordination, the, the preacher got up and, um, and he began talking in a way that made me a little bit nervous because he started preaching about going on a journey. And he said, um, so we're gonna go on a journey. And he had been my counselor and my, my um, spiritual director. So, you know, he knew things and there was all my family and all my friends and my bishop. And so it was a little uncomfortable, but nonetheless, we, uh, we got through it because he went like this. He said, imagine that we're going on a journey and you're taking pictures and you're taking pictures of all those wonderful things that you are. Name them. Maybe you could do that here now. What are the things that other people cherish about you? Your faith background, your gifts, your spirit, what you bring to the room when you walk in, those lovely things that everyone remembers. So far, so good. But then he went on. Well, now the landscape is getting a little drier a little dicier and fear and anxiety and loneliness and doubt and regret and all those things that you hope nobody sees when you're on vacation, those begin to emerge too. But he said, here's the thing. We are in God chosen just as we are with the selfie pictures and with the ones we erase and hope will stay hidden. Or to put it in Luther's words, we are brought into this gospel, into this ministry, into this life of Christ as both saint and sinner. Jesus knew that that night, right? Remember that this text in the 14th chapter starts in the 13th chapter. It's the night of Jesus' betrayal. He's having dinner with his friends. And he knows that Judas has already made plans. And he knows that Peter will deny him. And he knows that all the disciples, in spite of their very best efforts, will fall asleep when he needs them most to be with him. He knows all that, but he takes off his cloak and he kneels down and he washes their feet. And he says, I'm gonna give you a commandment. And the commandment is, that you should love one another. That's in the 13th chapter. It's still the same night when we meet him tonight. It's still the same night. And now he says, if you love me, you will keep the commandment. See how that fits together? It's the same commandment, that commandment that we love. 
Now there's a really neat thing that happens in the Greek here. I am not a Greek expert by any stretch of the imagination, but I looked up this word commandment and command and what it meant, because I think sometimes we, um, we read this text and we say, if you love me, you will keep my commandment as one of those kind of common if then um, conditional statements that the English language uses so much. And so we read it like this. We read it, if you love me, then you would know that I don't like tulips. If you loved me, then you would never ask me to go to the store in my pajamas. You know, all those if-thens about if you loved me, what you would do? And so we kind of impose that language into this text, but that's not where this is for Jesus. Hear it instead this way. If you love me, and I know you do, then you will keep my commandments because that is the essence of who you are. When you hold me, when we become one, all that relational language that's in John's text here in the 13th, 14th, and 15th chapter. In the Greek, this word command has a very different sense to it. It is not a word that connotes, you will do what I tell you to do. Rather, it is that you hold the essence, the very being of this love in you. That the command that Jesus gives is completely embedded so that it is freely and enthusiastically followed. Does it make the text sound different to you? If you love me, and I know you do love me, even though you'll betray and deny and abandon me, even though you will not be able to come all the way to the cross and death, even though there will be things on your journey that you will regret and hope that no one sees, even though I still know that you love me. And so you will keep my commandment because if I dwell in you, you will be overwhelmed with the desire to love one another. I love that about this text. And then Jesus goes on and says, and I won't leave you to do that alone. I'm actually going to breathe my spirit into you so that with every breath, you'll feel the essence of my father in me and me in you and you in the love that we send out. I really feel like this text is an important text for us to hear right now in the world. Because every time I pick up a newspaper or put on my computer or listen to the news, I'm overwhelmed by the anger, the despair, the loneliness. I'm overwhelmed by the fact that people are really struggling in this place where we don't know what's coming next. Will we open the church? Will we not open the church? Will we sing? Will we not sing? Will we be together? Will we not be together? What's life going to be? 
And when there's that level of uncertainty, people get a little anxious. And when they get anxious, sometimes they get angry and all kinds of things happen. But we hear in this text that we hold the essence of God's love in us because God has chosen us to be the bearers of that incredible grace-filled love. That's hope, isn't it? That's an amazing thing to hear. Preacher David Laus, when he's talking about this text, says, you know, one of the things about all these texts that are going to come in the next few weeks and up through Pentecost is that when we start talking about the advocate, the paraclete, the spirit of God, God's indwelling with us, we, we don't, what does that look like? What does it look like? One of the reasons why this text has been so important to me, not just on the day of my ordination, but throughout my life since then, is that I discovered um, pretty early on that it wasn't the text for a particular day or for the particular part of my life that is ordained ministry or for any particular type of ministry that I've done, but it's a text that is about life, about life in Christ, about what it looks like to belong to a God who is love. We know what the Spirit looks like because we see that Spirit every time we receive and we give God's love to one another because it holds us. In, uh, in the message version of this text, Eugene Peterson translates a part of it this way. He says, the world will not see me, but you're going to see me because I'm alive and you're about to become alive. Isn't that wonderful? Here we are. We've just said again, Christ is risen. We know Christ is alive. We know the spirit is already begun to breathe into our beings. We know that the essence of God's love fills us because God has chosen to fill us with that. We know that we can know God because Jesus is alive and we're about to live. So here's the question for today's text. What does that look like? What does it look like to have the love of God so fully breathed into you by the Spirit, so known to you by Jesus. What does it look like to live that love? Where are you seeing God's love around you, even and especially in these difficult times? And here is a really important one. Where are you living that love? Because it is so much who you are as one chosen by God in baptism, washed with that water. One who God has breathed life into so that in your abundant life, others might see 
that Jesus is alive and they're about to be alive too. Amen. So I think uh, Lindsay and I are going to uh, take a crack at responding to those questions from Pastor G. Um, where are you seeing God's love and how are you carrying it out? And uh, I just offer that um, I really saw God's love this morning when Zoom crashed because um, uh, I got word about it on Facebook through a bunch of ministry folks who were also getting ready for church and realized that um, things were not working as they should be working. And um, the you could hear in their concern about it how much they wanted the, to do this for their people, how much it meant to them to provide that space. And the fact that they couldn't, whether it was put on worship like us or have their coffee hour or Sunday morning Bible study, or in our case, you know, Sunday school, that people so wanted to um, hold this space for their people in this time. And it just came kind of gushing and roaring out uh, from people. And then because we weren't worshiping, I was able to see all the worship that's happening elsewhere in the world that might not be Zoom dependent. And my whole Facebook feed was just worship and grace and church and love, just like, you know, I have a lot of ministry friends, but it was just service after service after service after song. And it was just this beautiful like thing that was happening that we don't really get to see when we're in our own worship space to see all the beauty and love that was just being poured out from all of these churches and every different possible way from like a Facebook live to a, a zoom to a, you know, pre-packaged, you know, beautiful video that's all been shot and put together. Um, but whatever way that people were doing it, they were doing it for that reason, for the, for the sake of the gospel. And because there is this love in them that is just calling out to be shared in them. Um, so it made this morning a little easier to, to take um, seeing all of that. And I guess, you know, for the, the carrying it, I mean, for me, probably um, the way I see myself carrying it is really mainly around the house and really um, simple, basic acts of service, like washing the dishes every night and, um, when, you know, a lot of times I wouldn't normally be able to uh, be there to, to do that. I'd be rushing off to a church meeting. <laughs> um, and so washing the dishes with my kids drying and putting away feels so holy. Um, or, um, you know, cleaning up, sweeping up. You know, everybody that knows me knows I'm not good at fixing things, but I'm trying. Um, and just to try to keep things going at home, um, which I know a lot of people are doing and it's probably really easy to overlook those things, but those are also the ways that we're, we're living out God's love and just some of those kind of basic keeping things going today kind of things. So I think that's where I feel it when I'm just washing the dishes um, and the kids are right next to me and we're all just um, making it happen. Lindsay. Yeah. Um, I think I've been seeing God and 
Christ love most um, in the cleaning people and security guards around my campus. So um, I live in Princeton Seminary Housing and all of the campus is shut down except for um, housing for students. And there are two um, people who've been the cleaning people. One was the person in my building last year and one's the person in my building this year. Um, who I know a little bit and we've chatted some, but there's been something really tangible about their love, um, watching them continue to clean the hallways and the doorknobs and the old broken furniture that someone put next to the dumpster instead of in it and um, continue to mow the grass so that we have a place that we can go sit outside um, in this time when I wouldn't want to go continue to do those jobs. Um, I, I hear my doorknob get cleaned probably like three times a day. Um, and after I got over thinking someone was trying to break into my home, I realized that someone cares so much about my safety that they clean my doorknob for me. Um, when in our culture, I think it would be acceptable to say that adults can clean their own doorknobs and it would be on me to keep myself safe and sand my home clean and all of those things. And I think the love that has been shown and emphasized by them being kind of the only people I see, right? Like when I go outside, they're walking around doing their jobs and um, the love that has been shown in that is so tangible. Um, that's been pretty amazing. And I, I don't quite know how to carry that on just yet. Um, if I'm being honest, um, Pastor G, I like your question. I just, I would love to say that I'm going to go clean people's doorknobs and, you know, like <laughs> carry that forward, but I'm not sure that that is the proper response. Um, and so I have to think about what it means for people to be so physically showing their love for me in this time and how I might um, safely do that for others as well. Um, right here where I live, a place I haven't so, been thinking a ton about. While you were talking, Lindsay, I wrote down um, that when, when we carry God's love, it allows us, you both talked about washing and, um, and about household chores. God's love is the thing that allows us to see the ordinary as sacred. Hmm. So in the text, it says, the world won't see me because they don't know what they're looking for, but you'll see me, right? A lot of people don't see doing dishes and sacred, but the love that you bear, that God has put it in you, allows you to see those ordinary things as something so sacred that it is really sacramental. It bears God's grace and gift. That's what you did. That's what you're doing. You've just shared with us how you were able to see that in an entirely different way. That's the text. That's it right there. It's the thing. Well, there you go. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Great. Thank you.